Amen. God is good. It's great to see you all today. Just know that the Lord wants to touch you and do some amazing things. So we started a new sermon series, and uh, Pastor Joshua, who's in Waterville today, he sends his greetings. And uh, let's just take a moment to pray for our Waterville church as well, and then we're going to go right into the Word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in the um, Waterville Church, and we thank you for what you're doing here in South Toledo, God. We thank you that you're expanding the kingdom. We thank you that we're one body, two locations, and God, I pray that you would continue to move and have your way. God, I specifically thank you for this series, Lord God. I pray um, specifically for, for the men of our church right now, God. I pray that you would lift them up, that you would help them uh, be the, the leaders and the godly men of integrity that you've called them to be. And God, I specifically pray for the women, Lord God. I pray that you would help them also, Lord God, be who you've created them to be, that they would be your, your daughters, Lord God, that they would be strong and courageous, Lord. We thank you for what you've called us to be together as sons and daughters of God. And Lord, I pray that this message today would touch the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so last year, we, talk, we started talking about doing a sermon series around Father's Day geared towards men. And so we're calling this sermon series Mighty Men. And Pastor Joshua started it last week. And whoo, if you were not there, maybe you saw some of those pictures. Um, God just really moved and, and uh, the altar's filled up with men. And, and, and I'm telling you, when men pray, God will change a, a nation. And so it was just a powerful time. And so I know that I only am uh, speaking once this month. The next month I'm speaking uh, quite, uh, quite a bit more. And uh, we have some other uh, men and guest speakers that are, are speaking both here and at the other location. And so when I was praying about what to talk about to encourage men, the Lord dropped this title in my, in, in my spirit a week ago. Behind every great man. Have you ever heard that saying? Behind every great man, there's a what? There's a woman. There's a great woman, right? Um, and so today, I feel like the Lord has called me to, to speak to, to the women, but to speak to the women in such a way to encourage them to uplift and support and call out the best in the men that's around them. Now, even if you are a single woman in this, in this place, God has men around you rather, from, from the beginning, whether it's a father or uncle or brother. All of us as, as women have men around us that, that we love. I'm a mother of four children. Three of them happen to be sons. My sons of thunder. You've heard me talk about them often. And so I have a special fondness for, for seeing men do awesome things. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't have a godly father who poured into me, a godly husband who allows me to walk in my calling, and now I have the opportunity to raise four children, one beautiful daughter, and three godly men who are going to be world changers. And so today I want to talk to you about what it takes to be behind every great man. And so we're going to dig right in. But, but, but before we do, I just want to just kind of get a couple of things out the way. When you came in this morning, you received a bulletin. If you're old school like me and you like to take notes, go ahead and pull that out. There might be a version thing, but, you know, I was running a little behind today, so I didn't even ask my husband. So if you get on version, it's there. Hey, that's awesome. I don't know if it is or not, but it might be. But we do have a talk it over sheet. So it is? Someone said it is? All right, it's there. So go ahead. You can look on your smartphone or you can pull out the um, sheet there. 
But we're going to talk about mighty men. So last week, Pastor Joshua, man, that altar call was amazing. He talked about what it takes to be a mighty man. And he really um, dug in deep and said that God is calling men to be men of integrity. And when, when men are, are men of integrity, it really can change a nation. And so I want to encourage men to come, especially next week, Father's Day. Women, encourage your sons, your, your brothers, your uncles, your fathers, your, son, uh, your, your husbands um, to come out because we are going to have a great time next week. We are going to be giving away all kinds of, of things. We're raffling off all kinds of things. I know for sure we got this really cool bike. Um, we had... Uh, uh, a meeting in here last week with a bank guy and he said and he was like man that bike is awesome and he started telling me all about it so it's some kind of cool bike so we got that I know we got some coolers some hoses some some um, I, all kinds of uh, different things that we're going to be raffling off so it's going to be a lot of fun but I want to encourage us today because to be a great man we need great women too and God has called us to be better together you heard maybe the old saying, a man builds a house, but a woman makes it a home, right? God put both men and women together and made us in his image because we're better together. Genesis 2.18 says this. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now that word helper has been, mm, I would say, mistaught for a lot of years as in women are supposed to just be in the kitchen those of you who know me know I like to cook but I don't get stuck in the kitchen okay <laughs> but that word helper means a little something different it actually is the uh, Hebrew word it means ezer it means to surround protect and to aid and the word is also used to talk about the help that God gives us many times in the book of Psalms that same Hebrew word is used to describe the help that God gives and then the old, and then in the New Testament the Holy Spirit is called what a helper. And so God, when he made creation, he said, he looked at the, the waters. He said, it's good. He looked at, he looked at the, the ground and said it was good. He looked at the, at the animals and said it was good. But then he looked at man and said, it is not good. And then he made woman and said, mankind is good. God wants us to be together and we are stronger when we are together. And so I want to encourage you because women, if you don't know who you are, you can't help them. You can't help the man that God has put in your life to be the man of God that he's called to be. And so we need to each know who we are to, to really be who we are together. See, I like what Lisa Bevere says when talking about creation. She said, women are not a problem. They are an answer. God has put us together so that both sons and daughters can rise up together and take their rightful places together and to do what God has called us to do. So this week, God put in my heart behind every great man. And I want to give you three examples of great men in the um, Old Testament and the woman that was in their corner, okay? And we're going to hit from different ex examples. We're going to talk about a great man who was a brother. We're going to talk about a great man who was a husband. We're going to talk about a great man who was a son because God has used women in different ways to help shape great men. And so, because we are a helper, amen? So the very first one, you ready for this? Men, you can thank me for this later, okay? Your woman is going to leave out of this place better than when she came in. So I, I expect some encouraging text saying, thank you, Pastor Joy, for that one. <laughs> Number one, we're going to talk about Barak. Now, Barak is someone you may not have heard of um, before. 
But he is mentioned in Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith, according to the Bible. It says this in Hebrews 11:32. And what, shall, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and about David and Samuel and the prophets. So unless you really know the Bible, you will not recognize his name, Barak. But you will recognize the name of the woman who was in his corner, and that was Deborah. A real-life Wonder Woman, y'all. Let me tell you about Deborah. She's my favorite in the Bible. A real-life Wonder Woman. So much so, I love Wonder Woman. Just saw, saw it in a movie. I, I left out of that place like, I'm going to change the world. I'm telling you, I was so encouraged. And then um, a couple days later, I got sick. And I was sick for like two days. This is not even a joke. And all I did was get sick and sleep, get sick and sleep. And one of the times I was sleeping, I was dreaming. I was Wonder Woman. How many of y'all have done it? Don't lie, man. I was dreaming. I was Wonder Woman. I was saving the world. And then I woke up to kids fighting. What's the prophetic message behind that, right? But this is the thing, friends. <laughs> this is the thing. God has called us to be mighty women so that we can be alongside the mighty men of God. And so Deborah, she's pretty awesome. We're going to read about her and we find her story in Judges chapter four. You can go ahead and get there. But before we read and dig into it, I want to give you a little bit of a background. So the book of Judges comes after the book of Joshua. Uh, It's at the time that the Hebrew nation had a not, no strong central government. They were a confederacy of 12 independent tribes with no unifying force except their God. The form of government in the days of judges is spoken of as a theocracy. That is, God himself was supposed to be the direct ruler of the nation. It was the perfect will of God. However, the people did not take God very seriously. And they could, were continually falling into idolatry during this time. They fell into idolatry, idolatry, and the Lord would allow some enemy nation to come and oppress them. And when the enemy nation would come and oppress them, they would repent. God would raise up a, a judge or a hero of the faith that would set them free from their oppression. And then they would do good for a while. And then guess what? After they were doing good for a while, they would forget about God. They would fall back into idolatry. And then guess what would come again? Oppression. And this cycle went on and on and on in the book of Judges. It went on for 300 years. God wanted to be their king, a theocracy. But instead, every time it got peaceful, after it was peaceful for a season, they fell right back into idolatry. And the reason I like this is because I believe that we can relate to this um, in, in the culture that God has placed us in. A lot of times I see, uh, I've been pastoring now in the, in the inner city for nearly 20 years um, and lead in the lead role for 11. And I have seen a lot of times people come strong to the Lord out of a crisis. You know, they're, they're in a, you know, going through a divorce or they've just lost their job or they, they're, they're, they're at their wits end, their children are being taken away or they're, they're addicted to drugs and they need to be set free and they come to the Lord in a crisis and God does a miracle and sets them free and then they do good for a while but then as soon as things start going smoothly for them, they go back to their idolatry. They go back to whatever they, idolatry is what? 
putting something above God, whatever you worship above God. And so they go right back to their idolatry. And then what happens? Oppression comes again. And so Pastor Earl actually called, calls Christians like that. He calls them crisis Christians. And I believe God wants to set us free from a crisis Christian mentality. And so I think we can learn a lot from the book of Judges. I think we can learn a lot from Deborah and how God used her to break that mindset, at least for a season, off of, off of the people. And so here comes Deborah right here in chapter 4. And we're going to read quite a few uh, scriptures in in there. But I want to say Deborah was faithful in overseeing. She was a prophetess, and um, she was a judge and a ruler over a nation at a time where there weren't very many uh, women rulers for 40 years. And like every great woman, she inspired men to step up. Like I said, she was the real-life Wonder Woman. A strong, woman, a, a strong woman inspires others to greatness. A strong woman inspires others to greatness. So we read about Deborah in, this, uh, in these few verses, starting in verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinium, from Kadesh uh, in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them on the way to Mount Tabor. I will allure Sisera, uh, the commander of Jamin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the, the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Deborah inspired Barak. And we, as we read on, we find out how she even inspired Jael, who was a housewife, to do really great things. So Barak became a great hero in the faith because who called him? God called him, but who did God call him through? Deborah. Friends, God wants to use you women to call out awesome qualities in the men around you. One thing on my prayer list, I pray for my husband um, nearly every day, and I have a prayer list for for times to just help me stay on track. And one of the things that I pray um, at least a a few times a week, it's for my husband, but I pray it for myself to help my husband. I say, God, help me call out his best instead of point out his worst. Come on, somebody. God wants us to be like Deborah, ladies, and call the men into action. Because men have been laying dormant in the church for some time. Why are women conferences overflowing, but men's not so much? Friends, we are to call them into action. That's what, that's what she did with Barak. She called him into action. And so uh, Barak became a great hero of faith because Deborah inspired him to. Barak is even mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, what theologians call the hall of faith. Deborah and Barak's partnership is comparable to Moses and Aaron. See, Deborah was the one who heard from God because she was the prophetess, the one with a special relationship with God, but Barak was, well, he was the muscle, right? Moses also was a prophet, but he needed Aaron to be the mouthpiece. Friends, I want to encourage you, and this is for both men and women, both, both husbands and wives, both sons and daughters. How is your relationship inspiring others to greatness? How's your relationship with God? How's your personal relationship with God inspiring others to greatness? Does your children want to grow up and have a relationship with God like you? Do they want to walk in faith like you do? Do they want to have discernment like you do? Do they want to love God like you do? Or do they want to grow up and say, as soon as I turn 18, I ain't going to church anymore because my mom's so fake about it. 
Friends, I, I teach at a, 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 and have been for nine years, and you guys know this, at, at a Christian school, and some of these things that some of these Christian kids have told me that go on in their homes. How is your relationship inspiring others to be closer to God? It's okay if, if, if our kids or those around us see us struggle as long as they know who we go to when we struggle. See, Deborah not only inspired others by how she lived, but she inspired others by the way she lived. One of the things that she did was she went the extra mile. See, a strong woman goes the extra mile. We're going to read the rest of the chapter, but please, well, most of it, but I want you to stay focused, okay? We're going to read 8 and 9, and then we're going to skip down a little bit. But Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sesera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. And so they went into war and had 10,000 men, and they chased the enemy army down, and and they defeated them. But Sesera, the commander of the army, fled, and he escaped. And he ran, and he saw saw a home. He saw, back then they lived in tents. He saw a tent of of a family that was a neutral family. You know, they were like Sweden. They weren't really a part of one side or the other. And so he thought he found some sanctuary there. And he ran into a woman's house. The woman's was was his name, Jael. And he thought that he reached safety. And he, he was so exhausted from the war that the Bible says that he fell asleep. And then we see, we're going to pick up in verse 21. It says, but Jael, Hebrew's, uh, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and hammer and went quietly to, to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Barak came in pursuit of Sesera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lies Sesera with a tent peg through the temple dead. Friends, there's some deep stuff in this passage, the whole message by itself. But this is the thing. Deborah did not only inspire Barak, she inspired Jael. Strong women inspire others, both sons and daughters. We need to stop, ladies, being jealous of one another. We've got to stop. And instead, we need to celebrate one another. When we see a woman of God do something, we've got to celebrate. Now, when I started preaching, I was only 19 years old, and I didn't really see very other um, females uh, 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 speak. You know, there was Joyce Myers on TV, but other than her, I, you know, I really didn't see too much until um, I did have a best friend who was at the time an intern, and I saw her preach powerfully, and I, and I knew that God was calling me to do this. And she encouraged me to do it, and there wasn't very many um, older women at the time in, in my life that was doing what I was doing. And so I determined early on that when I um, do this for a while, that any time I see a young girl with a call of God on their life to preach the gospel, I am going to encourage them. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to speak positive words over them because I wanted that so much when I was up you know, young and coming up in the Lord that way. And God did bless me through different things, but didn't get it like I, what, like I craved it. And so friends, whatever you want, you need to give away. 
You need to give away. If you want a friend, you need to be a friend. If you want a spiritual mother, you need to be a spiritual mother. If you want a good marriage, you need to be a good wife. What you want, you need to give away. Deborah went the extra mile, and she encouraged and inspired not only Barak to be uh, mentioned in the hall of faith, friends, but she encouraged J.L. to take the weapons that the Lord put in her hand and to use them for a mighty deliverance. Deborah did not rebuke Barack for trying to manipulate her into going to war in a time where women didn't ride into war. Instead, she went with him. And she was not just a hero. She went the extra mile. And JL, the housewife, went the extra mile. And they defeated the enemy friends with common weapons. Sometimes we're so out there looking for something extraordinary that we don't see what God has already given us. All we have to do is reach out our hand and use it, friends. I want to encourage you. God wants to raise up mighty men in this house, but he needs to raise up mighty women too because he's called us to be together, to walk alongside each other, to do what God is calling you. He's sending out a revival in these last days that he needs both sons and daughters to prophesy. So let's be what God has called us to be, amen? So the next strong man that I want to talk about that had an amazing woman in his corner Well, I want to talk about David, but before I talk about David, I want to talk about the man, Nabal, who who wasn't really the man of God that he should have been, but he was the man that was there first. And I want to talk about Abigail. See, I I don't have time to read all the scripture uh, references here, but I want to tell you it's found in 1 Samuel 25. And this is, we're going to talk a little bit about Nabal and David. Abigail was the wife of of Nabal, a very wicked man who thought only of himself. But by her quick wisdom and generosity, she not only saved her entire family from death, but miraculously was delivered from the evil husband who, who died and was given to a godly husband in his place. See, after the death of the prophet Samuel, David and his army had to go into hiding, and they, had, they, they went into uh, the wilderness. And as they were there in the wilderness, they, they heard about this guy named Nabal, at, who, who was a very rich guy who had um, a lot of provision. And so they were hiding kind of out in the wilderness by his home. And they were happened to be taking care of keeping um, the enemies away from his sheep because in those days people would steal sheep and, and kept the wolves away and all these things. And they were really kind of being a bodyguard for free to his sheep and to his crops and things like that. And so they needed some provision. And so David sent one of his servants to Nabal at, and was asking basically for some food. And while this wicked man said no, that he wasn't going to give him anything, even though David had protected his, his flock. And so the news got back to David, and David was upset. David was ready to go kill this dude. He was ready to attack. This was, Dave, this was David when he was in his youth. He was, he was fleeing for his life. He had what they called the mighty men with him, and these men would take people out. I mean, there's stories, there's whole books written about some of these different mighty men. I mean, they would risk their life for their king. And so they was ready to take Nabal out. His name, Nabal, actually means foolish. And they were ready to take that foolishness off the face of the planet. Okay? But one of the servants of David happened to come across Abigail, Nabal's wife, and asked her, asked her 
or, or told her what happened. As soon as she found out what happened, she took matters into her own hands. She got her servants together. Quickly, they prepared food, and she got on her donkey, and she went right into the enemy's territory. She went, she went right into David's territory, and she said, listen, my husband, his name means Nabel, his name means foolish, and he is acting foolish right now. And, and she said, here is all the provisions that you need. She risked her life, friends. See, strong women are both wise and courageous. Both wise and courageous. Now, I've taught about submission before. Um, I, I believe in submission when, there, when, when it comes to a husband and wife relationship. I believe in submission. I hate submission, but I believe in submission. I'm going to be real. Submission means under mission. Okay? It's easy to be under, it's easier to be under mission when there's a mission. When God gives my husband a mission, I have to be underneath it. I've told the story before. When God, when God told Josh, when we first got pretty much married, give your grocery money, basically, to this missionary, I had to submit to that. Did I like it? No. I had to do it, though. Just yesterday, I wanted to get my hair cut. Not all the way, but it needs a trim, like a really bad one. And I got a little bit of money left that I, I put aside. And Josh said, no, we need to use that for gas because we're going out of town. Me and my daughter were both mad and didn't want to submit to that because she was going with me. But I did because it was right. It was under mission. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't like it. But I shut my mouth and did it. Friends, I believe in submission when you're under mission. But if my husband was going to do something dumb, I am not going to be like Sephora and, Anna, and Ananias who lied about when, when Ananias sold property and he went to Peter in the book of Acts and said, here's all of my money. And, and Peter said, you're lying and you're about to be frying. And he dropped dead, right? This is in the book of Acts. He dropped dead. Well, here comes his wife, Sephora, submissive woman. And she said, said that, and he said, well, you're, you know, was this the money that, that you guys earned that, that, uh, when you sold your house? And, and, and she said, well, well, that's what my husband said, yes. And she dropped dead, too. I believe with my whole heart if she would have told the truth, said, listen, I told that man that he should not lie to you. I told him, but he did not listen. She would have been alive. Because Peter said, it's your, it's your money. It's your house. You can do with it what you want, but you're lying to the Holy Spirit. See, friends, we have got women and, and men together. We've got to understand who we are. We are better together. And there is times when my husband wants to do something that is, I'm like, no, nah, bro, that's not what God wants us to do. It's because, see, right when it talks about wives submit to your husbands, a verse before that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's one mission that God gives, and we submit to one another. There's times I have to submit, and there's times he has to submit, friends. But ultimately, who's the mission? God is the mission, and what he wants done on this earth is the mission for us to do. And so Abigail said, I'm going I'm to use wisdom, and I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to do what God has called me to do in this situation. I'm going to save myself and my family. And guess what? She saved her fool of a husband too because she stopped David, and David said, thank you. You've kept me from bloodshed on this day because he was about ready to go take care of of some business. 
Abigail prevented certain disaster regarding herself and her family by humbling herself before David. Abigail did an extraordinary thing when she took the blame for the sin of her husband. She humbled herself and interceded for her people before David. Desiring to intercede on behalf of one's family requires character and humility and wisdom and sacrifice and personal at a personal cost. The result of Abigail's action was that David's heart was softened and he was kept from bloodshed that day. He accepted her offering and granted her request. She was a wise woman and she was a courageous woman. But you know what? Strong women are also rewarded by God. David didn't kill the foolish man but when he heard news, now Abigail was wise. She, he was drunk. When she got home, she let him get his hangover off, <laughs> cool down. And then she told him what she did. She was honest. And guess what? The man died right there. God struck him down. And Abigail sent word to David. And David sent a ring to Abigail. And they got married. <laughs> this is the thing, friends. God will have your back, ladies. We, are all, we worry so much about things. We worry so much about the men that God has put in our life. We worry about our sons. We worry about our brothers, our uncles, our fathers. We worry about our husbands. We worry, 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 worry. We worry about whoever is our future husband. We worry. We get so caught up. But when we follow the mission of God and we do what God has called us to do in his right time, he will give us what we need. I've been chewing for a while on the scripture. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do these things, he will add onto you all the things that you need, friends. We always want to focus on all the things we need and then try to seek God and his kingdom. Everything goes before God. Friends, God needs to be first in our life. Strong women are rewarded by God. The last strong man that I want to talk about who had a strong woman in his corner was Samuel. And this is my favorite, friends, because I got three sons of thunder that I know are going to do awesome things for God. And so I love Samuel. Samuel um, is probably my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite Old Testament um, man of God. We find Samuel uh, in First and Second Samuel, a story about him. But Samuel, it says in uh, chapter 3, 19 and 21, it says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized Samuel and attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Now, Samuel was basically the last judge before a king. But he united all the tribes of Israel when he was the judge. And he's the one who anointed the first two kings of Israel, both Saul and David. Samuel was a mighty man of God, friends, a mighty man of God. There is no other man of God in the Bible that says none of their words fell to the ground but Samuel. But let me tell you, Samuel would not be the man of God that he is if he didn't have a strong woman in his corner. And that strong woman was his mom, friends. That strong woman was Hannah. Hannah does not get enough credit for Samuel. And I believe that every time Samuel's story is told, that Hannah's story should be told too. And I believe that Samuel believed that as well because in the very first chapter, Hannah is mentioned. Because without Hannah, there would be no Samuel. And 1 Samuel 1, 10 and 18 says, In deep anguish, Hannah 
prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and forget not your servant, but give her a son and then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying the Lord to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. No, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may God of Israel grant you what you have asked for him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Hannah was barren for a long time, but after she prayed and that great anguish, God gave her what she asked for. God gave her a son. She was pregnant with Samuel, and she was faithful to her promise, and she gave Samuel back. But friends, I want to talk a little bit about Hannah because this is something that I believe is true. Strong women turn their agony into ministry. Strong women turn their agony into ministry. Do you know that you as a woman were created to be able to withstand pain? If you've, my husband was in the delivery room with me for all four of my kids, and I love that he was because afterwards he looked at me, and I know I was a hot, sweaty, nasty mess, but he looked at me like, you are the woman. Why did he look at me like that? I've been in the delivery room with a a couple of my spiritual sisters, and when they were done, I looked at them like, you are the woman, because you see that pain that they're enduring and that that perseverance to push, no pun intended, through. (laughs) God has created us as women to endure pain, friends. And to push through. Your agony can be your greatest ministry. Where you have had the most agony. Where you have been the most heartache. Where you have been the most deprived in your life. God wants to use that to be your greatest ministry. God wants to use that. That you can reach out and that you can help somebody else. God wants to use your testimony of your brokenness. And your your place of being in, in despair. And he wants to use that to be a great light and a great hope to somebody else. Women, you are strong. And when you go through things, he is stronger. And he wants to use that agony and turn it into ministry. That's what he did for Hannah. She was in agony. The best ministry comes from agony, friends. It comes from a place of brokenness and a place of hurting because the Bible says that he will not despise a broken and contrite heart. It was Hannah's example as a faithful intercessor and woman of God that made Samuel one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament. See, Hannah set a better example for Samuel than the priest Eli did. See, the priest Eli also had sons, but the Bible says that his sons were wicked. They were wicked, and they died, and Eli died too. 
But see, Hannah set an example. Hannah was more than just a mother to the prophet Samuel. She was a forerunner. She was like John the Baptist to Jesus, friends. She was a forerunner to Samuel. She interceded and she prayed and she put a love for prayer and a love for God into Samuel. You know when Samuel was born before he could even understand, you know she held him and she said, you were born to do great things. Women, how many times have you lifted up your babies and you said, you were created for destiny. You were created for purpose. You were created to be world changers. Those prayers that you have prayed into your children, even if they go wayward in their youth, those prayers are still an offering before the Lord and they will come back. They can't help it. They got to come back because their mom's praying for them. How many people, how many people were saved? How many, how many men of God have done great mighty things because there was a mom or a grandma who prayed for them, friends? History belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. Strong women turn their agony into ministry and strong women turn their accusations into edification. They, they turn their accusations into edification. See, Hannah was accused by a priest of being drunk when she was just praying. But instead, she, she turned her accusation into the edification. Instead of being offended and saying, how dare you? You have no discernment, you blind old man. <laughs> instead, she said, oh, not so, my Lord, in a humble way, but I am in great anguish. And she left with a blessing. She left edified. Friends, we've got to learn, as the scripture says, that every word that is spoken against you will not prosper. We've got to learn that we can turn our accusations, that the, the accuser of the brother will not prosper with us, that no arrow formed against you shall prosper, friends. No weapon formed against you will prosper. We've got to learn that when the accusation of the enemy comes, the attack on your life doesn't ha have more to do with who you will be in the future than who you've been in the past, friends. So she turned her accusation into edification, and Eli the priest saw Hannah pray and said, let it be so. He couldn't help. He went from accusing to amening, friends. You need to make the enemy who is accusing you turn around and say, ain't nothing I can do but agree. Those people who say, oh, she'll never amount to nothing. Their marriage will never make it. Those people who are speaking word curses on you. Guess what? Turn it around. Somebody say, turn it around. Those people who are out there saying, oh, they'll never make it. They'll never succeed. They'll never find success. They'll never make Turn it around because God wants to turn it around in your, in your life. Instead of being offended, friends, we need to go before the Lord and we need to pray even if we look drunk. Some of us looked drunk this morning. Some of us looked a little bit loose. But guess what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, friends, it doesn't matter how you look. It matters what he's doing on the inside. And God did something on the inside of Hannah. He put something in the inside of Hannah that changed the world. Friends, God is putting something in you, sisters, and in the inside of you that can change the world. 
We've got to allow God to do his work. And when we know who we are, then we can encourage the men of God that are in our life, whether they're our brothers, whether they're our husbands, whether they're our sons, whether they're our fathers, to be who God has created them to be. And together we can rise and we can take this gospel, this good news to the world and surely see Jesus come back. It is time for the army of God to rise up and be who they are. Not half of the army sitting down. Every part, both men and women together, not one greater than the other, but together we are strong. And friends, together, both strong women and strong men, friends, raise strong children. Hannah kept her promise and she gave Samuel to the Lord as a Nazarite. She dedicated him to God. And when he was weaned, she gave him to Eli, to the Lord's service. That took faith. That took faith. Friends, God is calling us to get it together in our marriages. I want to talk to married people for a minute. God is calling us to get it together in our marriages. It is so The most important decision that you make in your life outside of making Jesus your Lord is who you marry. They will make you better or they will make you bitter. It is better to be single then marry the wrong person. You should go into it cautiously. You should go into it fearfully. You should go into it with the fear of the Lord. And when you're in it, you should live in it cautiously. You should live in it with the fear of the Lord. You should live in it with a reverence and respect that it is a holy thing. That the Bible takes marriage and compares marriage to the love that the bridegroom Jesus has for the church, friends. It's supposed to be an example. When people see Josh and I together as a husband and wife, they're supposed to see Jesus in the church, friends. We've got to get it together because we have been misrepresenting Jesus and his church by the way Christian marriages are. And we've got to get it together. We've got to get, and ladies, I want to say this. How we're going to get it together is not by nagging our husbands. It's not by telling them everything that they're doing wrong. They already know. Oh, but I got a gift of administration, but he already knows. Oh, it's so hard to shut my mouth when I know I'm right and he's wrong. But he already knows too. And when you shut your mouth, then he can hear God. But when you're yelling and nagging and and yapping, he can't hear God's voice over yours. And whose voice do you think is going to change him? This is coming from a woman who's been married 16 years and been for 16 years praying for God to help my tongue uh, stick to the roof of my mouth when I want to say something out of line. Now, there's only two people in this world that really offend me. It's my husband and my mom. (laughs) And those are the two people in the world I usually have to take my tongue and stick it to the roof of my mouth. The other third person who offends me is someone who talks about my husband or my mom. Ladies, God is calling you to know who you are in Christ so that you can help the men of God around you and the young women of God around you know who they are in Christ. God is calling behind every strong man is a strong woman. He's calling us together. Ladies, God has called us to uplift the men in our lives, to call out their best instead of point out the worst. What can you do to help the men of God in your life live their full potential for God? So I'm giving you a homework assignment. 
Y'all ready to hear this? Ladies, men, is what you're going to thank me. Okay. If your wife happens to be serving, make sure she listens to this, okay? <laughs> Get the notes. This is your homework assignment. I'm going to ask you as ladies to do three things to equip the men of God in your life. You ready? Number one, I want you to pray for them every single day. Pray for them. And pray for them specifically. If you have, I'm talking to sons, brothers, husbands, the ones that are closest to you. Not every single man out there, okay? But the ones that God has placed in your life, in your circle of influence. You may have just a husband and all daughters. You may have a father and uh, no husband. Or maybe you have a son and whatever it is. Whoever those men are, I want you to make a specific list for them. And I want you to have at least five things on that list that you're going to pray over your husband, your son, your father, your brother, whoever that man, man is that's in your circle of influence. And I want you to, this week, to faithfully, this is your challenge, every day this week to pray over them. Number two, I want you to pray for yourself that your tongue would stick to the roof of your mouth if you're tempted to nag, complain, or point something bad out about them for this week. And see how your marriage is going to be a little different or your, even your relationship with your son or, or, or whatever. Because there's something even in boys before they're even men that that just belittles them, okay? I'm, real, I'm, I'm a lot better at that with my, my husband than I am with my son. And I see my son looking at me. I'm walking over here. <laughs> okay? Try not to belittle them. Sons are still underneath their mother's authority, but there's a way you can get them to listen without belittling them, okay? So get it right, son. I'm still your boss. <laughs> All right. And then the third thing, I want you every day to sincerely and at different times compliment your husband, son, brother, or father. You can do that through a text message. You can write a card. You can leave something for him, maybe in his lunchbox. But sincerely, it can't be all generic, like looking something up online, like, what's a nice compliment? I mean, sincerely, find it from God and write it down, okay? Those are three things. I believe if you do those three things this week, you're going to see a difference in the relationship with the men that God has put in your life. Would you stand to your feet with me? God is calling both men and women to rise up and to be the godly saints that he's called them to be. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the work that you've done. God, I thank you for the demonstration of the Spirit's power today in worship. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for moving at the altar last week with the men. And God, I pray this week, God, that it wouldn't just be a, a feel-good message, Lord Jesus, but God, that you would help us as women of God really take these three things, these three challenges to heart and that we would truly build up the men of God in our lives. If you're a woman in this place today, I don't, I don't need you to come up to the altar, but if you receive those challenges, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I want to speak a blessing over you. I want to go ahead and keep your hand lifted up. Ladies, I believe that if you do this, the men in your life are going to be so blessed by it. Father God, I pray for the women of God right here and right now, Lord God. God, you have called them as Ezra. You have called them as a great helper, an aid, a protection that surrounds the men of God in their lives, Lord Jesus. That they are the influence. They are the ones who make a house a home. They are the ones, Lord God, who are the great ones behind the great men. And God, I pray that they would know their worth today. Break jealousy off your daughters, Lord God. Break it 
insecurity off your daughters, that they would know their worth in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would help them take this challenge to heart. But God, that they would love the men of God in their lives, that they would call out their best and not point out their worst. God, that you would help them keep their mouth shut, God, when they want to say something that belittles or uh, deflates the men of God in their life spirit, Lord God. God, I pray that you would instead give them words of encouragement. God, that their words would be like honey. Lord God, that it would be sweet that when their husband needs encouragement, when their sons need encouragement, when the brothers of the Lord need encouragement, that they would come to their sisters, that they would come to their wives, they would come to their mothers for the encouragement that they need and that you would use them to uplift the men of God in their lives, Lord God. And God, I thank you together, both the mighty men and the mighty women, both the sons and the daughters will do great and mighty exploits in your name. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...